I actually want to start with a little story. Now, I'll tell you something. Someone told me, just be you. So I teach (laughs) children all the time. So pardon me if I come off a little bit like a teacher. Um, Every single one of us, I believe, can receive um, from a word that is brought forth in a simplified manner. You know, a lot of times I have heard from for years that a lot of the teachers in the children's ministry, nobody get offended by this, please. (laughs) But they have said to me that as they were preparing their lessons for children's church, they learned so much more than they thought they knew about that subject, that topic of the word. And it's not because the teaching didn't come forth. It's just because of the way that it was broken down in such a simplified manner that for the, maybe for the first time they were like, wow, I didn't see that before. All right. So hopefully this will be very simple for everyone to grasp. Amen. Amen. And this is not just for the ladies today, although there will be a big emphasis on these women that sit in here today, but men, I hope that you too will glean from it and that you will not only appreciate these women a little bit more, but you will also see how these things apply to your life as well. Amen. Because there is no male or female in the Lord. Amen. All right. If you don't know this, there is a children's book. There's actually a couple of them. And um, one of them is called, if you give a mouse a cookie, there's another one. If you give a moose a milkshake, a muffin, a Seth, sorry. A muffin. Um, And if you've never heard of them, it's okay. They're really cute, and they're circular in the way that the story is told, and they're filled with all kinds of mischief. And anyway, so this particular story actually is written in this format. So this is called If You Give a Mom a Muffin. If you give a mom a muffin, she'll want a cup of coffee to go with it. (laughs) She'll pour herself some, and then her three-year-old will spill the coffee. She'll wipe it up, and wiping up the floor, she'll find some dirty socks. She'll remember she has to do the laundry. When she puts the laundry into the washer, she'll trip over some boots, and she'll bump into the freezer. Bumping into the freezer will remind her that she has to plan for supper. So she will get out a pound of hamburger, and then she'll look up in her cookbook 101 things to do with a pound of hamburger. Anybody ever done that? The cookbook is sitting under a pile of mail. So she picks up the mail, and she sees the phone bill, which is due tomorrow. She'll look for her checkbook. The checkbook is in her purse, and that is now being dumped out by her two-year-old. Then she smells something funny. She'll still change the two-year-old's diaper. While she's changing the diaper, the phone will ring, and her five-year-old will answer the phone and hang up. And when she hears the phone hang up, she'll remember she wants to phone a friend for some coffee. And thinking of coffee will remind her that she was going to have a cup that spilled. And chances are, if she has a cup of coffee, her kids will have eaten the muffin that was supposed to go with it. So, yes, I know this woman in this story has young children, but maybe you have grandchildren around you and they do the same kind of thing. And I love the illustration here because it shows you, okay, not only is she very perceptive about all the things around her, her senses, you know, she's seeing things, she's smelling things, she's hearing things, she's very attentive, she catches the, the little ones as they're doing stuff, you know, the diaper doesn't get past her, the, the little stuff that the kids are doing, it doesn't get past her. She's very on top of everything, and she's sensing everything that's going on around at the same time. 
You can also see, though, that she's distracted. She kind of jumps from one thing to another. And when I read it, I'm thinking, wait a second. Did she actually get the laundry, like, started? Or did she just throw them? Because I'm guilty of this. You throw it in, and then you get distracted, and you're like, oh, did I start that? I don't even remember if I started that, right? Did she actually do something with dinner? I'm thinking not, because it sounds like she got distracted before she could do that. You know, the phone bill, did she actually pay it? No. I'm not sure if she did. You know, so there's all these things. She's very distracted, and it all comes back around, and she's like, I just wanted my coffee and my muffin, you know? So in the life of a mom, or even a woman for that matter, we can be not only extremely um, attentive to everything around us, but also we, we can be distracted. We can jump from thing to thing, and chances are you're also probably going to come back to those things eventually, Right? Do you ever eventually sort of get back around? You're like, oh, yep, I didn't do the laundry. Oh, yeah, the phone bill. But nothing gets past her. Amen? Amen. And I think it's incredible to, to understand a, a woman and how, how on earth is she able to do this? Okay, how, how is she able to, you know, notice all of these things at the same time, um, you know, and, and keep up and not lose her sanity? Because <laughs> there's a lot of dads that would quickly lose their sanity. Um, I know in the times that I've had to be away from the house and Tim was responsible for the kids, he did a great job. But I wasn't gone that long and I was getting phone calls. You know, when are you going to get here? Um, And when I came back, well, there was one particular week that the kids actually got sick. So he was dealing with throw-up. And he was dealing with fevers. You know, kids don't feel good. And there wasn't anything. I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't cancel and not leave. I had to be there. And so, yeah, he was thrown into a rough week. But um, many moms go through those challenges and they handle it like a pro. They really do. And, and that's just something that God has gifted moms to be able to do. Not to say that you aren't tired at the end of it, but it is a big difference. So needless to say, of course, when I would come home after just a few hours, he looked like, you know, he wanted to crawl into a hole and <laughs> or escape somewhere, right? But there's a reason for this. Um, and I want to talk about, all right, this. Maybe you will identify yourself in some of this. This is a, a mom and her official job description. Bear with me. She is the alarm clock, the banker the sensor, like to, you know, um, cover anything that shouldn't be seen. She's the chauffeur, the cheerleader, the chef, the chief justice. She's the chore delegator, the coach, the concierge. She's your confidant, correctional officer, crossing guard. She's the curfew warden, diplomat. She's also the disc jockey and the entertainer. She's the expectation manager, fashion stylist, hairdresser, Homework advisor, housekeeper, hygiene consultant. Right, mom? Internet safety monitor, inventory manager. She's the judge, the juggler, the loan officer, the lost and found attendant. Oh, my goodness. I don't know about you, but for whatever reason, I remember where the craziest things are that have, they're not mine, everybody else's stuff. I ha- it's like a, I, God does this to women. Tim will ask me, the kids will ask me, and I'm thinking, I never even touched that thing, I have no, but I'll remember where it's at. 
And it could be in the most odd of places, but right? I, I have no idea how, except that it's like God just sticks a picture and I can see where it's at because I passed it two seconds, you know, three weeks ago. But for whatever reason, I'll remember, oh, it's under that piece of paper that was behind this that was in the other room. I don't know. But hey, so lost and found attendant. Magician, not in the real sense, but we can do some pretty magical things. A nurse, paramedic, you're the party planner, the peacekeeper. You're the personal assistant, the purchasing agent. You're the recreation director, the referee. You're the reference librarian. Right? Don't know how to do something? Oh, mom will figure it out. You're the really, huh? You're the relationship specialist, the repair person, when dad can't do it. The shepherd, you're the shipping and receiving agent, the snuggler. You're the teacher, you're the transportation coordinator, the travel agent, the waitress, and finally, you're the zookeeper. Whether they are animals or persons. <laughs> so your job is hard. Amen. And you may think, well, I might not be a mom, but I do a lot of that stuff too. Yeah. So you understand, you can understand those jobs, how hard they can be and how important they are. And I love this to mom. The kids say, I'm hungry. I'm cold. I'm hot. Can I have, I want to watch. Where are you? Can you ask dad for me? Can you help me? He hurt me. She hurt me. I want to go there. When are we going to eat? Why are we? Why can't we? And to dad, they say, where's mom? And I think dads actually enjoy that sometimes. Because <laughs> they don't have to answer all the questions. <laughs> and sometimes they might be thinking, yeah, where is your <laughs> so, you know what? Praise God. We have a difficult task and it doesn't stop when your kids are little. You guys all know this, man. You just continue for on, on forever. Um, you know, my kids are all still at home, but I know from just watching and experiencing that kids grow up, kids get married, kids have their own, become a grandma. You know, I've watched my own family. I've watched the mothers and grandmothers and it's, you never, you never like, not, I don't want to say the word get rid of, but they're never not a part of your life. Yeah. The mother is, my goodness, she continues till the day she breathes her last. She continues to nurture. She continues to, you know, teach and inspire and give advice and, and we love her for it. Amen. 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 I promise I'm going to get to some scriptures. <laughs> so don't be afraid or concerned about that. But I want to talk about this first. So how does mom do all of this? There's a really actually, um, wonderful way that God designed our minds to allow women to do what they do because it is pretty exceptional. And if you have any, you have any women in your life at all, even if it was a teacher years ago or a friend or a neighbor, you know, that sometimes you ask the question, how in the world do they do all of that? How do they know that? Well, you will find it interesting, at least I found it interesting, to know that male and female brains are actually very, very different. Extremely different. Uh, <laughs> they're, no, they're really very different. They're different structurally. 
they are not the same. There are not unisex brains. They're not. You can, you can look at a male brain and a female brain, and they're not the same structurally. They are not the same um, neuroconnectors that, you know, bring everything together. The size and the shape of the parts of the brain are not the same. Um, they are different chemically. There are different hormones in different levels that move through the brain at different times that allow the, the woman to be totally different. She cannot respond the same way that the man does and vice versa because we're actually not created exactly the same in our, in our brain structure. Um, and some of those differences, and I'm going to read this from, so that I don't mess it up. Um, all right. All right, so there's a lot of different... I'm going to go down here. All right, first of all, in processing, male brains actually have seven times more gray matter for activity than the female brain, okay? Um, and the reason for that is... Uh, I'm sorry, the woman then uses ten times more white matter. So you have gray matter and you have white matter in your brain, and I'll tell you what that is. The gray matter is... These are those localized, sort of focused areas of your brain that control specific things. And then you have all the white matter, which are there, the connectors. They sort of connect everything together. Now, um, I've heard it said this way, that if you think about um, a plate of spaghetti and meatballs, <laughs> the spaghetti noodles, that's all that white matter, the connecting. And the meatballs are like the gray matter. Okay? So men have, have seven times more meatballs <laughs> than we do. Well, actually, they don't really have more of them. They just use more of them. Women have 10 times more of the noodles, the white matter. And so all of those connections, you have a lot more than he does. All right? What does that mean? All right, think of it this way. I like to think of the meatballs more like, um, if you think of like a, a map of a town or a city, the meatballs are like individual businesses, okay? And the noodles are your connecting roads, they connect everything. They help you get from place to place because that's what happens in the brain. All those little connecting ways help you get to those localized spots so you can focus on what you need to focus on. So the woman, she likes to take her time driving down all the roads. She has a lot more of them. And in the, on those roads, she is, because she has a larger hippocampus, which is part of the section of the brain that controls um, your memory center. It also, you have greater emotional response. Your senses are heightened because of that. Okay? Yes? We smell things. We notice things. You, you know, I could, you could be driving down the road and the woman goes, did you see that? Did you see that woman over there in the red dress with the long hair? She pushed in a baby carriage and she was da -da -da, and she can rattle off a whole lot of details. She was standing under the, the tree with the pink flowers and it was right on the corner next to the Walgreens. And he's like, what? Huh? He's like, what woman? She's like, you know, that I just told you. <laughs> and she, then she'll start to rattle off. Um, yeah, remember that red dress? Remember, it reminds me of that dress that I wore on her anniversary. Like, you know, remember 10 years ago? Remember in 19... Whatever. And she starts, right? And she's talking about, and it was such a lovely night. Remember, we had beef or steak. We had, you know, potatoes, and it was so good. We ate at that restaurant. And she's like, and, and you, the way you looked at me, it just made me feel so special. And, right? She can go on and on and on. Her senses, her emotions, they're all connected. 
So she is totally in tune to a lot of things and it, and it triggers her memories because her memory center is a little bigger. Don't get upset guys. Sorry. I'm sorry. God did it. Memory center is a little bigger and all those connections, those neural connectors allow her to bring all her senses and her emotions together at the same time. So, you know, while he just wants to plow to the next door and he really is not noticing anything. It's like, nope, I got to get to where I have to get to. I need to get in there, do this and get out. And that's, that's his goal. He's going to get from point A to point B. And he really doesn't care about anything in the middle. His objective is to go from this focus spot to this focus spot. And he doesn't really care about the pathway, but the, the mom from one meatball to another, that's right. The woman though, she, no, she notices stuff. She is more concerned about the, the drive. She's more concerned about the way she gets there and she notices all this stuff on the way. It's just how she's geared. Um, you know, she really cares more about the, um, you know, the path to get there rather than the actual destination. She does care about the destination and she'll focus when she gets there. You know, guys will get to that shopping center and do their thing. And you might think that, no, she's really concerned about shopping. She doesn't care about the drive getting there, but the way her brain works, she will notice and pay attention to so much more on the journey. It's just, it's just the way she is. That's the way your brain is wired. So, um, this is really cool because it helps you to understand why when you say something, you know, Oh, don't you remember? And it was da 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 da. And you have all these emotions and all these feelings attached to it and these memories. And he kind of stands there like, sorry. <laughs> what? Meepaw. Those noodles, they all touch each other, right? Imagine the spaghetti and meatballs. They all touch each other. They're all intertangled. So everything that she experiences touches all these other parts at the same time. So one particular thought or memory has all these other pieces that it's connected to. And that's what helps her remember it better, remember it longer, remember the details. Unfortunately, guys, you do have those noodles. You just don't have as many. <laughs> and your memory's a little bit smaller, but Hey, listen, all things are under the blood. So believe God, <laughs> believe God. I'm not saying that this is bad for you. It's just, you might be confused sometimes. Why, how can she remember that kind of stuff? And why does she have to attach everything to a feeling? It's like, it wasn't, it was just this and that. And she's like, Oh no, you know, because she, she's just, her brain is processing it completely different. So men have that tunnel vision, right? And when they're deeply engaged in a task or a game or anything that they're, they're serious about, it's really hard to pull them out of it. Any, anybody want to test to that? Yes. And if you try to talk to them, it's something that they don't really hear a lot of what you say and that's okay. That actually, believe it or not, protects them. It does because for them to be able to stay within their little meatballs, it protects them because ladies, <laughs> big meatballs, because all that running around through the noodles, <laughs> all the running around through the noodles actually kind of wears us out. Where's our brain out? 
And it actually can make us more prone to stress than men because we just do a lot more stuff up here. (laughs) We're not smarter. We just have a lot more connections being made. Everything is attached to the next thing. You know, men, it's not like that. And they're able to keep things separated, and it is a lot less stressful on their brain. So thank you guys for taking that extra load of stress. When I read that, you know, the the woman is a, a, a weaker vessel or a meeker vessel, it's not about strength, although some it is about physical strength, because men will always be physically stronger than women. But there is also an emotional strength, and there is an ability for, ability for them to handle stress unlike us. You know, we can handle a lot of other things, and you, we do handle stress, but our, our brain is so busy keeping up that oftentimes they, because they've stayed in their little meatball, <laughs> their little hole, you know, the rest of their neuroconnectors are not tired out. Yeah, they, <laughs> they're not tired, so they can, fo- they can focus. It's like, all right, no problem. I got this. And you're like an emotional wreck. Yeah, because all your noodles have been firing constantly. Right? (laughs) Use your noodle. Yeah, there was a kid show like that years ago. (laughs) All right. So because of all of that, obviously women are better. No, I shouldn't say that word. I'm not going to say better because it depends on personality. But multitasking is usually something that women find easy to do. Yes, because like I said, all those noodles are going at the same time. Men keeping things in their, you know, in their focused area. All right. Another area that we see uh, differences is the chemistry of the brain. One thing, and I'm not going to go through all of this, but one of them is um, women have a higher level of serotonin in the brain and serotonin actually is the hormone that enables you to sit still a little longer. So, well, okay, but if you know children where you have, you know, a daughter who sits still and will read a book for an hour and your son can't sit still for five minutes, there's a reason for that. He does not, he doesn't have the same chemical brain ability to sit quite as long. He just doesn't. So men are more active. And that's, again, those little, you know, um, tunnel-like, you know, meatballs. He is geared for a specific purpose and if, he, if he's supposed to be active and he will go and give it everything he's got and he's very focused in that manner. So, um, anyway. So that explains if you, you know, it's not, it's not boys' fault. <laughs> Little boys, if they can't sit still, honestly, it's, it's, diff- it's more difficult for them. And that's okay. It's the way God wired them. Um, all right. I already mentioned about your, uh, your memory centers and your emotions. Um, Maybe we'll just stay with that. We'll stay there. Um, No, I will tell you this. They have discovered there's over 100 uh, different gender, uh, sorry, there's 100 100 gender differences in the brain. 100. Um, And um, all of those actually can help us understand why men and women are so different. And thank God for it. Amen? Because God knew what he was doing. When he put us all together, he knew that men were going to be geared a certain way and women geared a certain way, and that was uh, necessary for all of us. So praise God. So women, you have an advantage in some ways, and that explains why we are actually able to do so much. Amen? Amen. God has given us that. 
So what I want to talk about, though, is this. With all of that ability and all of that wonderful, I mean, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? Male and female. But with, with women, especially with all of that activity that goes on so often, it is very easy for us to sort of lean to the direction of, like I said, that stress level, but also entertaining thoughts that really shouldn't be there in the first place. Amen. And allowing a lot of things to come in where we just get, we get all worked up and agitated and, you know, and our husbands are looking at us like, what on earth? You know, and you're like, well, you just don't understand because da, 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 da. And, you know, you're processing everything so fast and he has no idea what you're talking about. She's like, did you see what she, what, how she looked at me? Did you, did you hear that in her voice? Did you? He's like, no. Why? Because he's not in tune that way. God gave women Yes, an intuition to, to sense things, to know things about their kids, to, to be able to perceive when, you know, something is going on that they're, they want to hide it from you. And you're like, no, I know it. That silence is very eerie. <laughs> something is happening. They're doing something at the moment. When your kids don't talk to you, they say something a certain way. They look at you a certain way. And you're like, mm, nope, not buying it. I can see it. Like I can see right through you. <laughs> I know that's not right. Right. There's an intuition. And I love the fact that even as a daughter, I can, I can hear this in my mother's voice too. It's like, wait a minute. No, you just said everything's fine, but it's not. I know it. I hear it. Right. That is something that yes, men can do this too, but it is inherently something that God really gives women. There is an intuition that you cannot explain. How does, how does a, a new mom wake up in the middle of the night out of a deep sleep and there's no sound, but she knows something's wrong and she gets up and she goes and checks on the baby and something's wrong. Why? Because God gave us that intuitive ability to, to know these things, to sense these things. And you know this, especially if you're, um, you know, if you're an, an consider yourself an older woman. You've gone through a lot. You've seen a lot. And you know things about your kids. You know things that, about your husband. They don't have to tell you. Amen? Yeah. There is, and, and it goes deeper if you're a woman of God, a born-again, spirit-filled woman of God, because he begins to reveal even beyond your natural ability. Amen? Amen? So, um, turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 46. Do the men take that in? I'm not bashing you at all. (laughs) Because, like I said, that stress can can really, you know, affect a lot of a lot of people and to be able to go to your husband or your father or even your brother and get a a very simple sort of in the box understanding, it's very helpful. And you go, you're right. What am I all worked up about? Okay. It's like you want to disconnect some of those noodles (laughs) and you're like, okay, stop doing that. Stop, stop making me, you know, cause they're all, cause they're all touching each other. It's like, I don't need to make a leap from this thing to that thing. So in uh, Psalm 46, we're going to go from the beginning from verse one. God is our refuge and strength, mighty and impenetrable to temptation. I'm sorry, this is amplified. 
a very present and well-proved help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains be shaken into the midst of the sea. This is 46, verse 3. Though its waters uh, roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling and tumult, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. You can say this about yourself. God is in the midst of me. I shall not be moved. God will help her right early at the dawn of the morning. Say that. God will help me early in the morning. The nations raged. The kingdoms trotted and were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, our fortress, our high tower. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations and wonders in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow into pieces and snaps the spear in two. He burns the chariots in the fire. Our God is powerful. Amen. So verse 10, let be and be still. And know, recognize, and understand that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. Amen? The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, our high tower, our stronghold. So, if you read before verse 10, there's a lot of turmoil, right? There's a lot of... A lot of Yes, things that can really make your make you your heart sick, make you kind of stress out, make you be fearful. Right? But verse 10 tells us to let be and be still. And know that he is God. He says, I am God. The definition of still in the Webster's Dictionary means to be devoid or abstaining from motion. So, frozen. To be devoid of or abstaining from motion. Sedentary. Like a static photo as compared to a motion picture. It's still, right? Snapshot. They're not moving. (laughs) It's a freeze frame. This is what it means to be still. Uttering no sound. Quiet. Subdued. Muted. When you mute something, there's no sound, right? You hope not. Calm, tranquil, free of noise or turbulence. So when I read verse 10, I think of it this way. Did you ever have, um, did you ever come in to your children when they were fighting and they were at each other? Nobody really ever, right? Just my kids. Just mine. And I'm like, stop it. Let go of your brother. (laughs) He, oh, no. And they're going at it. Listen, my brothers, I have two older brothers, and they used to get into it all the time. And it scared me. And I, like a dummy, like a sister, I tried to get in between them. And I tried to separate them because I really thought they were going to hurt each other. And they did. But I got hurt, too. And that was really stupid. But my heart was in the right place because I didn't want to see my brothers fight. But if you've ever come into the midst of that, or you walk in and there's just utter chaos, you know, sometimes we say, freeze, and you hope they stop, 
right? You're like, just stop. Don't move. Maybe they've got something all over them, like lipstick or Vaseline or, you know. Kids ever get into stuff like that? Yep. And you're like, don't touch anything. (laughs) Put your hands up. (laughs) You want them to immediately stop, right? So in verse 10, God's like, be still. He's like, freeze. Don't move. Because to be still means to be to be to abstain from motion, like a like a photograph. You cannot move. People try to play that mannequin freeze game. It's hard to do. You, it's really hard not to move. <laughs> but God wants us to just stop. See, sometimes it is hard to make your noodles stop because they just want to go all the time, even when you're sleeping, when you're trying to go to sleep, right? Everything is just buzzing constantly. And you're like, but what about this? And what about that? And how am I going to do? And da, 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 da. And I got to do that. And I got to do that. And you're like constantly going. It helps us, but at the same time, it can be harmful. Yeah. And there's a time in our, we just have to say, stop, freeze. Don't do anything else. Just be still. Amen. Yeah. Now the word tranquil, which was part, I think it was up there, wasn't it? Did I read that? No, I did not. Did I mention tranquil? Yes, I did. To be tranquil, to have tranquility, is to be free from agitation of the mind or spirit. I'm going to read that again. To have tranquility means to be free from agitation of mind or spirit. Tranquility is part of peace. It's part of being still. Free from agitation. What we read there in Psalm 46, there's a lot of agitation. There's a lot of stuff going on. Amen? But God's like, no. Stops right here, right now. Just just stop. Let's look over to Mark chapter 4. Because Jesus does this also. There's two references. I'm going to read both of them, both in Mark and Luke. In Mark chapter 4, verse 37, you may have heard this story before, hopefully, if you're reading your Bible. Mark chapter 4, verse 27. What, did I just say that wrong? 37, sorry. Yep, 37. (laughs) All right, so Jesus is with the disciples. In verse 37, in a furious storm of wind of hurricane proportions arose and the waves kept beating into the boat so that it was already becoming filled. But he himself, Jesus was in the stern of the boat asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, master, you, uh, do you not care that we are perishing? We're dying. <laughs> they think they're dying. Can you see where like if now, if you rewind and try to, okay, before they woke him up, they're on the boat. It's getting thrown all over the place. The water's coming in. It's filling up with water. They think they're going to drown. They are panicking. We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. They can't see any way out of this. And they're like, why are you sleeping when we're about to die? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush now, be still or peace, be still. And the wind ceased, sank to rest as if it was exhausted by its beating. And there was immediately a great calm. Do you ever feel like um, sometimes we do that? 
we exhaust ourselves <laughs> to the point of, <laughs> like we just took a beating and nobody touched us? You beat yourself up, right? <laughs> you beat yourself up in your own head. That's right. That's right. Because your noodles are going all over the place and you're beating your own self up and nothing happened to you. No one touched you, but you literally feel like you just came through a horrible storm and you can walk into a place and you have a smile on your face and you're like, yep, everything's fine. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Everything's fine. And on the inside, you're like, no, I'm black and blue. I'm all beat up inside, but nobody touched you. And you really can't totally, you can't blame Satan either because a lot of times we just do this to ourselves. Now, Satan does come in and he he obviously will wreak havoc, but oftentimes we're the ones who allow the storm to just keep coming and we don't say to our noodles, be quiet, be still. Because see, we have authority over our mind. Amen. Joyce Meyer talks about the battlefield of the mind, but we have authority over that mind. And there doesn't have to be a battlefield going on all the time. You don't have to be beating yourself up all the time, mentally, emotionally. We don't have to, because look what Jesus did. He just said, hush, be still, freeze, cool your jets. However you want to say it, just stop. And we know what happened. A great calm came over the waters And if we will act in faith, a great calm will immediately come over our mind. Amen. Amen? And all those firing noodles going all over the place, they will stop. It doesn't mean that you're going to forget what you need to know or what you have to remember. It just means the agitation will stop. Has anybody, everybody, anybody ever been there? You ever feel that way sometimes? Guess what? We have authority over this. Amen. It's a good thing to understand how your brain works, but it's also, it's even greater thing to know what God says about his power. Amen. And he said to them, why are you so timid and fearful? How is it that you have no faith? How, how is it? He's like, you're with me. I'm teaching you. Don't you get it yet? Look uh, at Luke chapter eight. It's the same, um, it's the same story, but it's from a different perspective. Luke chapter eight, verse 22. Still the disciples and and Jesus, verse 22. And one of those days, he and his disciples got into a boat and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. And so they put out to sea. But as they were sailing, he fell off to sleep. And a whirlwind, whirlwind revolving from below upwards swept down upon the lake, and the boat was filling with water, and they were in great danger. And the disciples came and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. They still think they're going to die. And he, being thoroughly awakened, blamed and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there came a calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? Where is your trust your confidence in me. Where is your trust in me? And they were seized with alarm and profound and reverent dread. And they were marveled, of course, saying, who is he? 
So they marveled at the fact that he ceased the storm, but he's saying, wait a minute, where's your faith in me? I'm with you 24 seven. I'm with you. I'm in you. Where's your trust in me? When all the noodles are firing and all the, st- all the stress is going on, he still lives in you. Amen? Amen? Our trust has to be in him, the anointed one, that no matter what, it's going to be okay. Because he's with you. He's sitting in the boat with you. It doesn't matter what's rocking around, around you outside. It doesn't matter what's going on inside your head. He's with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Amen? Amen. In John chapter 14, verse 23. John 14, 23. Jesus answered, if a person really loves me, he will keep my word and obey my teaching. And my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. And anyone who does not really love me does not observe and obey my teaching. And the teaching which you hear and heed is not mine, but comes, uh, but comes from the father who sent me. And I have told you these things while I am still with you. But the comforter, the counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things, and he will cause you to recall, bring to your remembrance everything that I've told you. And in verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace, my own peace, I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts or your mind be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. See why I like the Amplified? (laughs) Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. That's not tranquility. That's not peace in your mind. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Why? Because that's not what he wants for us. Because everything that Jesus did was to make a better way. Amen? So that we can actually have true peace, true tranquility in him. There doesn't have to be any agitation. The noodles are going to keep firing. You can't stop that. Like as far as you know, your thinking processes and, and God made your brain to do that. But you do have control over how out of hand it might get or, or how it affects you. Amen. And we can not allow any agitation to come in. Amen. Keep our thoughts fixed on the word of God, on who he is. We read in Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. He's God. Amen. We have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt who he is, because if we know who he is, then we're not going to have any problem believing that he's with us and that he can do anything 
against any problem or situation that comes through here or even in our hearts. If you're grieved, see, he's with us. His peace will always be with us. Amen. Amen. He is the Prince of Peace. I'm going to read this to you. Amen. I don't know who said that. He is the Prince of Peace. You're not going to sleep, right? No. No, we're fine. I'll wake you up if you do. (laughs) Just like they woke up Jesus. I'm going to wake you up. (laughs) Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? Knowing his peace and having his peace rule in your heart day by day is one of the greatest gifts Jesus can give us. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of Jesus. The peace that he gives you is not dependent upon the circumstances in your day because you're going to have stuff, right? Diapers, throw up, angry people at work, the guy's going to cut you off on, you know, the highway, whatever. Your kids may say things that upset you, even if they're grown. (laughs) You're going to have stuff, but it's based upon your relationship with him. Amen? Amen. It is not based upon circumstances. It is based upon him and your relationship with him. The peace Jesus gives doesn't have its source in what is going on around you, but comes as a result of his life in you. If we're struggling a lot with issues of anxiety and depression, maybe we're not staying connected to him in us. Because, see, he's the lifeline. Amen? Jesus did not come into your heart to bring you worry, anxiety, or restlessness. He came to give you rest. His peace will guard your thoughts from worry and keep your heart from fear. Because of his peace, you can be in harmony with God's will and purpose for your life. In harmony with it, not fighting against it. Through his peace, you can know victory over every enemy that would try to trouble you. You can have the greatest measure of contentment and the deepest level of inward rest because of his peace. Amen? Amen. Amen. We again read in Psalm 46.10, he said, I, he said, be still and know that I am. Amen? Who is he? Your comforter? He's your helper. He's your your everlasting father. I mean, he, he's your, he's the bright and morning star. Amen. He's the, the rose of Sharon. And some of us go, well, what does that really mean? <laughs> I'll just be honest. Cause sometimes we read things and we're like, well, okay, what does that really mean? <laughs> right. Sue? he's the lamb of God. He's the word. He's our provider, our intercessor, our high priest, our servant, our redeemer, We read about the job description of a mom, but how about God's? It's a lot longer than yours. He's the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, Emmanuel. He's with us. God with us. It's his job title. or It's in his job description. He can't leave you. He's with you. 
He's wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, man of sorrows, the advocate, the alpha and omega, the bread of life, the beloved, the shepherd and the bishop, the foundation, our Passover. He's the treasure, the seed, the light of the world. He's life. He is apostle. He is author and finisher of our faith. He's the bridegroom. He's the commander of the Lord's army. Captain of salvation, the anointed one, the carpenter, the chief cornerstone, the covenant of the people, deliverer. He's the door. He's faithful, true. He's our rest, our hope. He's the head of the church, the heir of all things, heir, H-E-I-R. The holy one, the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. How can you be afraid when a good shepherd is with you? Amen. He is the dwelling place, our dwelling place. He's our tabernacle, our king of glory, our physician. He is, I am, and he is all in all. There is nothing, nothing in your job description that is too difficult for him. Amen? Whether you are male or female, whatever you have to do, he is everything that you'll ever need. Jesus, the eternal I am, is the I am of everything you need, of all, your de- of all you desire and of all you long to be. He's your wisdom, your authority, and your confidence. Maybe you don't feel very confident as a wife, as a mother, as a grandmother, but he's your confidence. Amen? Maybe you're a man who doesn't trust your wife or your mother. Guess what? He's your confidence, too. And you can pray, amen, but he's your confidence in, in the woman that God gave you. I wanted to say this earlier. You know, we might think um, that each one of us, you know, uh, we have different situations and circumstances regarding our husbands or our children or our grandchildren or our um, in-laws, if you have married children. And you might think, yeah, well, you know, my situation is just too hard because of this and because of that. But listen, God knows you, and he gave you those children. He gave them to you. He put them in your care. He knows their frame. He knows all about them. He knows all about your husband or your wife, right? And he gave them to you because there's something that he placed in you It is ideal for them. It's not a mistake. God knows. Yes, they're a challenge to you. But guess what? God did it on purpose. Yay. Thank you, God. (laughs) No, really. He He gave them to you on purpose. They were assigned to you because you are the best person for the job. Amen. They're, They're yours. So if they're causing you trouble, guess what? It's up to you to, to figure it out. It's up to you to go to God. Surrender it all to him and say, okay, God, show me what to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can do this. I want to read this to you. This is, and I'm, I'm winding. I'm going to close here in a minute. Can I have till 1230? It's like five minutes. All right. This is a tired mother's creed. Okay. (laughs) 
And if this is not you right now, maybe you can think in the past or you can think of someone that you know. I shall not judge my house, my kids' summer activities, or my crafting skills by Pinterest standards. I shall not measure what I've accomplished today by the loads of unfolded laundry or by the assurance of deep love that I've tickled into my kids. I shall say yes to blanket forts and see past the chaos to the memories that we're building. I shall surprise my kids with trips to ice to get ice cream and when they're already oh, when they're already in their pajamas. <laughs> Cuz that yeah, do you do that? You put them in pajamas and you're like, "Yeah, we can't have ice cream. We're going to bed." I shall not compare myself to other mothers. Don't do it. Because you're not like other mothers. And you're not supposed to be. God gave you, your, your husband, your children for you. And you're their mother, their wife, nobody else. Okay? He broke the mold after you were born. He broke the mold for all of us, right? Your children were born. He broke the mold. They're yours. I shall not compare myself to other mothers, but find my identity in the God who entrusted me with these kids in the first place. Amen. I shall remember that a messy house at peace is better than an immaculate house all tied up in knots. I shall play music loudly and teach my kids the joy of wildly uncoordinated dance. Just have fun. I think that's what she means. Uncoordinated. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my, my daughter, she's so stuck on that flossing, the backpack kid. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that. Yeah. And she does it all the time. And when we do it, she's like, nope, it's not right. She's like, you look funny. No, it's not. I'm like, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> I tried. She makes fun of us. That's what kids do. Well, some. She made fun of you too. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I shall remind myself that perfect is simply a street sign at the intersection of impossible and frustration in Never Never Land. You read that one again? Perfect is simply a street sign at the intersection of impossible and frustration in Never Never Land. We will never be perfect. I shall embrace the fact that that in becoming a mom, I traded perfect for a house full of real. I shall promise to love this body that bore these children out loud, especially in front of my daughter or my granddaughters, because that gets passed on. Self-image for a young girl has a lot to do with how her mother views herself and how her father treats her as well. They're equally important, but we have to, we have to, we can't, we can't get stuck in, I don't look this way, I don't look that way. No, love, love yourself, love your body. We heard that on Friday night. Love your body that bore those children. Every scar, every stretch mark, <laughs> it's all for what? You brought wonderful life. It's for love. I shall give my other mother friends the gift of guilt-free friendship. I shall do my best to admit to my people my unfine moments when you mess up. I shall say, I'm sorry when sorry is necessary. I pray God that I shall never be too proud, angry, or stubborn to ask for my children's forgiveness. It doesn't come with a manual. 
This is a day-by-day process that we walk out. I shall make space in my grown-up world for goofball moments with my kids. All day. I shall love their father and make sure that they know I love him too. I will model kind words to kids and grown-ups. I shall not be... Sorry, I had to laugh up. I shall not be intimidated by the inside of my minivan, this season of chip bags, goldfish crackers, and discarded socks, too, shall pass. <laughs> I shall always make time to encourage new moms. Because if you've been there, you have a testimony, amen? And sometimes, you know what, let's face it, when you're a new mom, you don't always want to hear it. Everybody else's story. Because you're kind of trying to figure it out on your own. But over time, you appreciate it. You do. And you have your, well, that's what I mean. You're encouraging those other moms. I shall not resent that last call for kisses and cups of water at nighttime. But remember instead that when I, that when I blink, they'll all be in college. This was written with love from one tired mother to another. So I wanted to tell you this, and I know we're running out of time. I, I found uh, my husband, I had showed him, um, salary.com is a website that tells you like the average salaries of all kinds of jobs everywhere. And there's actually one that they did for stay at home moms. And then there's one that they did for both working, like working moms. Um, and they've been pretty consistent with it. And since this is a reputable site that does this, they it's not just some fake thing that a mom made up. Okay. This is a business company that did this. And, um, (laughs) they, um, they incorporate all the jobs that a mom has. Um, some, let me see. I know we read off some of these earlier on job description. So they kind of totaled up what they would all be. If you got paid to do that, like outside the home, you know, if you got paid, um, no, you couldn't afford it. I saw a range. This particular one lists there. It says there's, on average, they have 92 hours of work in a week. And 52 of that is overtime. <laughs> so their total salary that they came up with was 143102 Say, I'll take it. I'll make 143000 <laughs> But then there was another one that I saw, and they had it actually more in the realm of 600000 I was like, yes. <laughs> you like that one better. But the truth of it is that you can't place a value on what a mom does. Whether you're a working mom or a stay-at-home mom, it's invaluable. Or you're a retired mom because your legacy continues. I, um, I, I read a, a thing that basically it was showing how kids respond to mom. And, you know, at the younger age, they're like, oh, mom knows everything. You know, and they get a little older, and they're like, yeah, mom knows some stuff, right? And then they get to a little bit older, close to the teen years, and like, yeah, mom knows nothing. And then in their later teen years, it's mom. What mom? Right? And then they start thinking a little bit, you know, they get a little older in their 20s, and it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe mom knows something. And then it's, oh, we better check with mom before we do that. And then before you know it, Mom's gone, and you're saying, I really wish mom was here so we could ask. Amen? You are a mom for, till, forever, forever, absolutely forever. And you know what? Even if you don't have children of your own, it really doesn't matter because you're going to be a, a woman and a godly mother. See, we, we think that, 
you know, all of these attributes that God gave women that it's just for child rearing, but it's not. Because if you take a woman anywhere and she, if she doesn't have to have a husband or children, what, what will you find her doing? Some of the very same job descriptions that we read. She'll be serving, she'll be cleaning, she'll be, you know, taking care of people, she'll be nursing, she'll be doing, it's just within our nature. So you don't have to have children to still embrace who God made you to be. And, and there's a lot, a big part of that that does fall under mothering, even though you're not a mother. You can ask my family, <laughs> my brothers to this day will say that I tried to be their mother forever since I was little. It was just in me. I couldn't help it. And I, thinking back, I'm like, how was I mothering you? But I, I, to them, they'd say, stop being my mother. You're not my mother. I was only like six years old, seven years old, and I'm mothering them. How do, how do I know how to do that? I don't have children. But it's in you. See, God did that. Sophia already has a mothering instinct, and she doesn't have children. Praise God. <laughs> All right. <laughs> A mother's job description is long-term team players needed for a challenging permanent work in an often chaotic environment. Candidates must possess excellent communication and organizational skills and be willing to work variable hours, which will include weekends and evenings and frequent 24-hour shifts on call. Some overnight travel is required, including trips to primitive camping sites on rainy weekends and endless sports tournaments in faraway cities. Travel expenses are not reimbursed, and extensive courier duties also required. Your responsibilities are for the rest of your life. You must be willing to be hated, at least temporarily, until someone needs $5. And then you must be willing to bite your tongue repeatedly. Also must possess the physical stamina of a pack mule. And be able to run from 0 to 60 in 3 seconds flat, just in case, this time, the screams from the backyard are not someone crying wolf. You must be willing to face stimulating technical challenges such as small gadget repair, mysterious sluggish toilets, and stuck zippers. You must screen phone calls, maintain calendars, and coordinate production of multiple homework projects. You must have ability to plan and organize social gatherings for clients of all ages and mental outlooks. Two, 25. <laughs> you must be willing to be indispensable one minute and an embarrassment the next. You, may, you must handle assembly and product safety testing of a half million cheap plastic toys and battery-operated devices. <laughs> you must always hope for the best, but be prepared for the worst. You must assume full, complete accountability for the quality of the end product. Responsibilities also include floor maintenance and janitorial work throughout the facility. Possibility, possibility for advancement and promotion? Virtually none. Your job is to remain in the same position for years without complaining, constantly retraining and updating your skills so that those in your charge can ultimately surpass you. Doesn't sound very glamorous, but it sure is. A mother's job is the most underappreciated, underpaid, and misunderstood profession. We are full-time employees with duties that last a lifetime. We don't get a vacation. Motherhood doesn't start and end the day you give birth. It is a lifetime commitment even when our children are no longer with us. No matter what our children may have done or how young or old they are, we will nurture, guide, advise, comfort, strengthen, forgive, and pray for them. 
We will put our lives on the line for them. It is our prayers and the prayers of those whose shoulders we stand on that came before us that keeps, that keeps them, your children. So cherish your mother and be grateful for her. Amen? And I want to say this about a woman. She is woman. She is mother, daughter, wife, sister. She is a person. She is strong, smart, crafty, passionate, courageous, generous. Cooking barefoot is only one of her several superpowers. She's action, emotion, devotion. She has hope, beauty, power. She has a brain and she knows how to use it. She gives you life. She gives you respect, love, gratitude. She believes in you. She will nurture you and fight for you. And she deserves nothing less from you. Amen? Our moms do so much from even before we're born. The way that they, you, you think about your children and plan for them. And it begins long before you ever even conceive. Amen? But God wants us to find in the midst of all of this, he wants us to find that peace. He wants us to be able to, to stay and remain calm when it's time to be calm. Amen. To just be still and just allow his presence to come and fill the room. Allow Holy Spirit to come and take over and not get lost in the chaos and the, the stress of the moment. Because being a mother, being a woman, a wife, it's wonderful. It's glorious. There is no other job like it. Amen? None, ever. And God designed each one of us to truly be those superwomen. We don't feel like it. But ask a man to stand in your shoes and do what you do. He's not going to want to. <laughs> Meatball. Meatball. And, and guys, listen, we love you. And we need you. And you are uniquely gifted. And you're going to hear all about it on Father's Day. <laughs> you're uniquely gifted. You are. But thank God for the mothers in our lives. And thank God for the peace of God that will guard our hearts if we will do what Proverbs 3 says and we will trust in him. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Amen. And we will stay in a place of peace and the noodles will keep firing, but they won't get out of control. Amen. And our mouth won't get out of control because that's usually what happens next when this gets out of control. Right. We have to guard our heart, keep it in a place where God can use us by his spirit, by his anointing to be the awesome and incredible woman of God that he's made you to be, to fill every role that you have to fill. Amen. Amen. First as daughter of the King. Yeah. And then as, as daughter on earth to your earthly, you know, parents, but a wife and mother and, and all the other jobs that you have. Amen. Amen. And each one of us can do it with grace and peace and not lose our mind in the process. Amen. 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 So if you remember anything, noodles and meatballs, right? Your spaghetti. Amen. But it's beautiful. And God made each one of us beautiful and that we can embrace it. Don't be afraid of how you made your brain. Right. Because your spirit man is with you and God is inside of you leading and guiding you. Amen.
So we use it to our advantage, not to our downfall. Right? Amen. 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 Praise God. You want me to keep going? You know, Paul said this. He said, I labored more abundantly than all of you. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Spiritual rest does not mean spiritual passivity. It doesn't mean you aren't doing anything. It is rest in action and not rest from action. Amen. God does not want us to serve him out of the efforts of our own flesh, but out of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we do this. That's how you're a super mom. Grandmom, that's how you're a super woman and a superman for that matter. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Ruth Bell Graham said, as a mother, my job is to take care of the possible and then let God do the impossible. Amen. That's really true of any of us. Do what God's called you to do, but let him take care of everything else. Amen. Let's lift our hands. Father God, we just thank you for this day. I thank you for each and every one of these moms in this place, these women in this place, and the men that support them and the children that support them. Father God, we ask for your blessing upon each one of them here. I thank you, Lord, for revealing who you are to them, in them, and through them. I thank you, Lord, for the work of your spirit moving in each of their lives, covering their minds, their bodies, their emotions, their spiritual well-being. I thank you, Lord, that your power is in them to destroy anything and everything that is not of you, that is not healthy, that is not right. I thank you, Lord, that you are coming in like a flood and you are pouring out your love and your grace upon each one of them and you are delivering them from any affliction of the enemy. You are setting them free from depression, from anxiety, from strife and division and anything that would hold them back. I thank you, Lord, even for those who, who, uh, lack confidence to be who you've called them to be. Lord, I thank you that you are showing them. You are helping them to understand and believe in the God who lives in them, who made them uniquely and perfectly. And they can be all that you have called them to be, predestined for greatness. Lord, we thank you for the seeds of greatness in this room. And we thank you, Lord, that your word is upon them to accomplish the purpose that you have set out for them. Those seeds will not return void. They are going to grow and produce and multiply we thank you, Lord, that each and every destiny will be met in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your protection upon all of these wonderful women. And I ask, Lord, that you would continue to use them, to use them in their families, amongst their friends, their coworkers, their peers, to be a blessing of a godly, righteous woman of God who knows who she is and she knows her place and she uses the tools that you've given her to be a blessing. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.